Stella made a beat, so it's go time. guys welcome to a special edition of the core four this is actually a matchup of the core four podcast and the three and d podcast so for the first half you'll hear from nate and i and in the second half you'll listen to sean and justin because that is what they asked for for christmas hey, hey as long as you tune in for the first 15 minutes it still registers as a listen so um you don't have to hurt yourself the whole time if you don't really feel like it i mean hey if you're a three and d groupie i mean just go over to the last 15 you don't yeah. have to listen to us uh, eh, i wish you would that would pre- i'm be sure pretty they cool. exist love yeah. justin and sean all right, anyways, so um, <laughs> you can find the Core 4 podcast and the 3D podcast on the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network, and that is found on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And it's all under Grizzly Bear Blues blog. Find them on the web at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at Grizzlies. I'm your host, Parker Fleming. It with me is Nathan Chester Claus. <laughs> so am I the one that's going to grant your wish here? What are you going to ask me for this year, Parker? I'm a perfect timing. Oh. My wish, my Christmas wish, is for the Grizzlies to convey their pick. Well, it's already been granted, my man. It, hey, it, the, there's no, there's, the there's a balls. snowball's chance in hell that that does not happen at this point. Hey, mm. they're... Hey, Snowball, Santa, kind of a winter theme. That was kind of nice. That was nice. I, yeah, I think yeah, I yeah. deserved Yeah. Mm. Uh, that was pretty good. But, mm-hmm. um, well, for one, the ping pong balls have not bounced yet. Mm-hmm. I would hate for the Grizzlies to finish eighth or ninth and the ping pong balls bounce to fourth and we're left picking between Cole Anthony, Denny Advigia. I don't Did care. Did you to just stutter? It. No, I tried to say his last name. <laughs> I mean, shoot, with Cole Anthony out and Denny playing 10 minutes a game in EuroLeague, we might be picking Nico Manian at four. Mm-hmm. I don't want that. I'd rather convey the pick. Did you watch Nico Mania for Arizona over the weekend? No. He was two for 14 from the field. It was ugly. Yeah, I, I, pre- I prefer I, watching like, actual basketball, like yeah. NBA basketball. I, I love the Memphis Tigers, and I am so glad that the Tigers walked into Knoxville and beat Tennessee um, back on – when are we? When is this going up? What day is this podcast going up? We'll figure it out. <laughs> no, we'll figure it out. Um, it's some indeterminate point in the past when the Memphis Tigers beat the Tennessee Vols in basketball. It was great, but that was the grossest basketball I have ever seen in my life. And I pray to God the Memphis Tigers do not play Virginia in the NCAA tournament this year. I don't think I'll be able to make it through that. I may commit SEPCU. <laughs> I don't think I can do it. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I don't. I watch college basketball for the draft. I just and there are play, so many players that are going to be great in the NBA, and they just look. They're in the muck. Like it, it's just gross to watch. Um, mm-hmm. like for Memphis, presses a chew had eight points, was taken ugly, stepped back mid-range jumpers against Tennessee. Oh, my God, he's Jeff Green. He literally is Jeff. He is a combination of Jeff Green or Rudy Gay. That's literally what he is. 
Yeah. That, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But with the lottery pick, you're like, Bleh. Jeff Green was never that bad for the Memphis Grizzlies. People just thought he was going to be a borderline all-star, and expectations were too high. Mm-hmm. But back to conveying the pick, and it's an argument that we had, that I made in my last podcast, is it's not more, I mean, a lot of it is more so the fact that this draft sucks, and I think there's very little chance you end up with your Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman, or LaMelo uh, Balls. Um, but like, I think that, that chance, it's not an, enough for me to be like, yeah, let's. I want to keep this pick. I'd rather just give that to Boston. They can go pick Precious Achua or Nico Manian. Um, and regardless of how good this next draft is, I just want to pick in it. Yeah, because uh, th- this draft is gross. There's really no way to get around it, and I'm sure there will be some diamonds in the rough, um, some nice pieces to come out of it. But there are so many like guys that draft analysts were high on coming into this year that w- will go in that five to fourteen range in the lottery. Players like um, Tyrese Maxey, um, Nico Mannion, that are just not impressive to me whatsoever. Uh, Mannion shot two for 14 this weekend for Arizona. Maxi is um out, is shooting 37% from the field and 27% from three for Kentucky. There's just no one that I really like. And the chances that you jump into that two or three with the Grizzlies' current situation, it's just not going to happen. I think it would be better for the long-term upside of the Memphis Grizzlies as far as future aspirations of a championship to add a player like LaMelo Ball or Anthony Edwards. But I'm a pragmatist. I'm a realist. There are six teams that are clearly and quantifiably worse than the Grizzlies. And we talked about this in the podcast. The Grizzlies, outside of some magic bounce of the ping pong balls, they are not keeping this pick. They, they are not going to. They just simply are too good for it. And with them being in this position, they are possibly in the playoff hunt. Again, we don't know what date this podcast is dropping. I'm assuming they're still in the playoff hunt at that point. But it's because Ja has been great and Brandon Clark has been great. Clark has been phenomenal, far better than we could have ever hoped in his rookie year. And he could conceivably be your third star. He's the reason why you're a good bit better and you thought you were going to be in a better place than you thought you were going to be. So... I'm ready to go pick in 2021 in what's probably a better draft. The Grizzlies may be too good to go draft a player like Jalen Green, but it's a deeper draft. Yeah. If you're picking in the middle of it, you may find someone better. And even then, um, as we discussed on the last show, I think a lot of the teams that are below the Grizzlies right now, they can pass the Grizzlies next season. For example, the Golden State Warriors, they're not going to be 5 and twenty. One at yep. this point next year. Yep, um, they're going to be really good because they're going to have Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, a top five pick, D'Angelo Russell, or whatever assets you attached and get it for, for him. Or you're going to get a motive, and you're going to get a motivated uh, Draymond Green, mm-hmm. and also Eric Paschal, who's been a surprise for them. Kind of, it kind of reminds me of like the like the Grizzlies finding Dylan Brooks. That's a lot of what Eric Paschal's been like. Yeah. So it's just like the prospect of like, oh. Yeah, we get to add this guy to our veterans that are going to be coming back next year. That's awesome. And I think the I think Rob Myers is smart enough to adjust and 
be like, okay, what went wrong this year if, aside from injuries? Why was our product still awful when they went down? Your bench is full of G-leaguers. There you go. Right, and they would just add better in talent. Yeah. And so I think they'll pass um, Atlanta. They'll get John Collins back next year. Yeah. And Trey Young's already impatient. I could see them making a play for Montrez Harrell or Andre Drummond, which would make them better, especially in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. I think Washington would be better. I, I think there is room for the Grizzlies to... I mean, granted. I don't even know if regress would be the right word. I think they'll almost certainly be a, a better team in every facet of the game next year. But regressing as far as their standing among lottery teams, yeah. I can yeah. very well see that. And as far as the team is above them go, I think the only teams that can realistically fall below them are the San Antonio Spurs and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Mm-hmm. The Spurs, just because they refuse to accept reality, and mm-hmm. the, the Thunder... Are accepting reality. Are accepting reality. And they yeah. want to trade away Gallinari, Chris Paul, mm-hmm. Stephen Adams. Yeah. So they, uh, they can have that can happen. But even if the Grizzlies get five, I mean, I looked at the last ESPN mod draft for 2021 a few days ago. Granted, it's still early. These kids haven't even graduated high school yet. But Jalen Green was at three. Mm-hmm. Imagine if you get five and you say, you call the third pick and you're like, hey, I'll give you this number five pick. You'll give plus the, U- the Utah first round pick. Or the Warriors first round pick. Yeah. Actually, the twenty the Utah pick would be more enticing because it's going to be in that double draft more than likely. Yeah. The twenty twenty two. Uh-huh. And you make this a reality. That is John Jalen Green, folks. That is John Morant and Jalen Green. That is ultimately why I want to convey, mm-hmm. and that is my Christmas wish. Yeah. Um, I'll keep mine simple. Um. I I'll I'll throw in a sneaky one for both of us. Um, I pray for. I pray. I'm not praying to Santa Claus. That sounds very um, <laughs> not biblical. Um, forgive me for that. But I would ask Santa, who is myself, apparently, as of the beginning of this show, for healthy ankles for Grayson Allen. Thank you, man. Because, I, that's because what I want. honestly, he is... It, okay, is the Anthony Melton a guard or a wing? How do, you, how do you want to describe him? Guard. Then Grayson Allen is a... Third best wing. I almost said second. Third best wing on this roster behind Jay Crowder and Dylan Brooks. And he needs to be getting um, significant rotation minutes, about 20 minutes a night, like he was before he went out. Mm-hmm. So um, once the Grizzlies get him back, they will be better for it, I believe. And I believe he can become a long term piece of the rotation. Um, that's a simple one. Just think, other- guys. And it's never too late. Nathan is one of my Grayson Allen disciples. Mm-hmm. And if you want to see the light, the white. The white. Yeah. Dull white. <laughs> Howard. <laughs> just kidding. Not that guy. Um, but you can just come talk to me. Just just think I, about I it. It's not, it's not hard to accept the reality that there is a guy out there that can attack the rim, finish in between, shoot the three ball, hustle. Hustle, play, most importantly of all. He Gritty. Sneaky athletic. Some might say he has a little bit of grit and grind. Oh, um, my goodness. I can't believe it. Can't believe I've said this. He would be the actually the um, first white player in franchise history to actually um, exemplify grit and grind. You know, I don't know if uh, this will be a thing by the time this podcast airs, but I think I would have burnt GBB to the ground if I gave my pitch that I gave to Joe after the Utah trade. I told him I wanted to drop a 1,500-word column on why Grayson Allen would be the next great Allen in the city of Memphis. Yeah, I am glad for your own physical safety and for my own, by extension, just by being close to you, that you did not write that because um, 
I think half it, satire. You know who the Half Shell restaurant where Tony Allen frequents like about every sure. other day? Yeah. I'm pretty sure they would have put a hit out on your life after you, you'd put that out there. Okay, but it would have been half satire. And then I'd be like, okay, but really, guys, Grayson's going to be pretty good. Or he could be pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it has to be all satire. You're going to the chopping block like I think we already have. But I, um, eh, who knows? Yeah, yeah, that's up for debate. <laughs> that last podcast hasn't been up yet, so that's why. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, my next wish is just completely simple. Get rid of Andre Wadala. Get something back in return for him. I don't even necessarily want a first-round pick. I would take Enos Cantor and Romeo Langford. Okay, granted, if, if you get Enos Cantor, Jonas Valanciunas has got to go, got to go out the door the next day because I am not watching two what amounts to two traffic cones on defense play minutes together can you I, I think the Grizzlies defensive rating if Cantor and Jonas shared the court together would be somewhere in the neighborhood of 200 um it would not be good at all maybe, maybe a lineup of Tyus um Tyus Marco yeah Marco um they really just don't have any bad defense I, I got it I got it I got it um, they got to use some two ways here. So you go John Conchar. No, John Conchar is a great defender for G League guys. But no, still, uh, I think he's I. You to I, was I, I don't even want to hear no, whatever conference he was the defensive player of the year here we in. Go. It's going to be Tyus Jones, um, Marco Guterich, You to Watanabe, Enos Cantor. Actually, no. Don't worry about Yuta. Just throw in uh, Romeo Langford <laughs> because he's in that trade. And, and I'm pretty sure, like, if I came off the bench and played against that lineup, I think I could score seven points in a quarter against that lineup. Ah. <laughs> uh, uh, but, d- d- but back to the point, just get Iggy out of here. Apparently, Daryl Morey said he tried three or four different trades and eventually gave up, which tells me that there's at least a market for Iguodala and the Grizzlies don't need to be trying to break the bank as for the return that they'll be getting for him. So if they turn down three to four different offers of assets that Daryl Morey had to give, that tells me there might be better offers on the board, or at the very least, they expect some better offers down the road. I'm waiting for Denver to call because they have two bigger contracts that you can use to match between Will Barton and Mason Plumley. Okay, and God, Grizz Facebook would burn down. Okay. If we got Will Barton. Okay, it would. I need to rant for a minute now that you brought up the Denver Nuggets. I saw a tweet. Okay, so yeah, you got Michael I, Porter Jr. I, I, okay, I'm going to tell you about Michael Porter Jr. Michael Porter Jr. is being wasted. Absolutely wasted in Denver. Not the good kind of wasted. The bad kind of wasted. Well, isn't the bad kind of wasted still bad? Yeah, being wasted. Don't drink, kids. Being wasted at all is bad. But he's being truly badly wasted by Mike Malone and the Denver Nuggets. Um, Mike Malone went on the record a couple days ago and said Michael Porter Jr. is untouchable. He did not play because of back problems during what was supposed to be his rookie season. And now here he is, his second year in the organization, his first year really as a rookie in the NBA. He is playing eight minutes a game. They got Tory Craig playing about 15 to 20 minutes a night. They're a ba- they're not a good offensive team. They're winning off of their defense. They have a stagnant offense. And you've got a 6'10 wing that was compared to Kevin Durant coming out of high school and college. You are very passionate. I am this. very passionate about this because I want him to be a Grizzly. And it, Ooh, we'll they compared him to Kevin Durant. If he is 
55% of Kevin Durant. That is a good scoring wing in the NBA. But uh, is he Tory Craig? <laughs> Tory Craig? Tory Craig's only asset to that organization is he's dating an Instagram model. That's like, that's like majority of the league. Yeah, guy. exactly. He, um, I, I believe he was a Jonathan Simmons story, like took an open tryout, played in the G League, and ended up there. Maybe. It, it, anyway... Michael Porter Jr. is his shoulders better than Torrey Craig, and they're playing him eight minutes a game, totally wasting him, and then have the audacity to say that he's untouchable. Untouchable for what? The court? I mean, uh, Mike Malone, what is he going to get in a press conference? Yeah, yeah, we think Michael Porter Jr. is going to be a good rotation player for us in four to five years. Trade that man. Get Iguodala. Get him to push for your playoff push. Delude yourself into believing you have a chance to win a championship and take Andre Iguodala and send Michael Porter Jr. to a place where he can thrive, like the Memphis Grizzlies. Look here. We got to give Justin and Sean some time, but I'll say one thing about Michael Porter Jr. I got PTSD. Parsons Stress Traumatic Disorder. From the fact that you've had... You mean American Dini Avita? Damn. Yeah. Anyways, just think of the commonality here. If Michael Porter Jr. comes into Memphis... They're both hyped up for what they did in the past. I hear you. They're both, they're both pretty good-looking dudes that can get any woman in the world. I, I don't see how that's relevant, but continue. Um, and so, of course, they, they end up with Instagram models. At least Michael, and Porter, they, Michael Porter Jr. is young enough to hang out with college girls and for it to be okay. That's the difference. Bingo. Yeah. Um, and then there's also like that hope attached to them that they're going to be the player that they used to be for Chandler is on a lower scale, but still it took us until they sit him until we watched him get blown by, by, by Don, Bojan Bodanovich and Joe Ingles where we're like, okay, this ain't it anymore. Nope. Cause we got out. It's like, Oh wow. JB starting him. He must be like at the three. And then we're like, Oh my God. That's when it kind of just like, yeah, we cut all hope. Yeah. That's but when, that's when it happened. And we're, I don't want to just live in that hope of like, oh my gosh, Michael Porter Jr. can be good for us. Aren't we living in the hope that Josh Jackson can become? But this is different. This this ain't Josh. This isn't about weed. This is about health. It's about health. (laughs) And honestly, Michael Porter Jr. can use some weed and can probably use some meat and get off that vegan diet. Taking any medical marijuana in the last year, and I use the term medical very very loosely here. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to assume. Okay, neither do I. But here's the distinction: Chandler Parsons' knees were shot before he even got. But this is a back injury, and we don't even know if Michael Porter Jr.'s back is shot. Like, well, he's been fine. He has, he's had literally no issues at all this year. And, you're again, you're not relying on Michael Porter Jr. to be the face of the franchise. Sure, the Grizzlies had drafted him at four. Chris Wallace would have been fired before he got fired. But you could get he's a low-risk asset. And, again, you're looking for any type of asset for a return on Andre Iguodala trade. A guy who could have been the number one pick in the draft two years ago if his health had allowed him to be, is quite the asset to get in return for Andre Iguodala. So, you bring him in. If it doesn't work out because of health, it just doesn't work out. It is what it is. You, I, you, took, you took a swing for defenses. 
the Grizzlies should be taking swings for the fences. You got your three-man core right here. You got John Morant. You got Brandon Clark and Jarrett Jackson. Will that three-man core ever be enough for a championship? We don't know. That's years down the road before we'll ever be able to figure that out. But if you take a swing with Michael Porter Jr. and it works out, you're right there. I think you're shooting for the moon, but to land in the stars, I think a optimistic, even a moderately optimistic trade package with Denver would be Plumlee and Beasley. Yeah, I, I would greatly like um, Malik Beasley in Memphis. I think he would become a starting shooting guard. I, think. I don't think he's better than Dylan. Really? I, I, that's that's fair. Um, I think you could. they'd be pretty interchangeable. I think Beasley's the better shooter of the two, um, which obviously you'd like to have next to John, the starting lineup. But Porter in particular... I think Porter is like peak upside that people envision for him is he's a 25-per-game scorer in the NBA, um, just a high-volume, high-scoring wing. If he comes in, he gives you 50% of that, and he's a 13-14-per-game to 14 per game scorer in the NBA, that's a huge win in an Iguodala trade. And he's simply, um, maybe by next year, they'll decide to start giving him the minutes that should already be going to him that are going to... <sighs> Um, the poor man's Bruce Bowen, <laughs> but Pro, poor man's Bruce Bowen, Tory Craig, Tory Craig, yeah. Uh, uh, I didn't like that that much. Yeah, uh, well, it was a swing, but Tory Craig is poor man's James Ennis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hate to see it. Uh, um, but I think they, he should not be untouchable. That's absolutely absurd to me know, that they would say that. I may or may not agree with you, and honestly, I think he should be untouchable unless. You can use him if you can use him, Gary Harris, Plumlee in a pick, and go get Drew Holiday. I think you keep him untouchable for those kind of picks. I don't think you, I don't think you keep him untouchable for Andre Udala. I think that's yeah. the kind of guy you you flip Beasley. Like you go like, all right, Beasley. We'll send you to the team that could probably pay you if you do pretty good. Yeah, I, I would be totally fine with that with either of those deals. So. Um, I just hope it happens. Um, I would take even something as um, two second-round picks and a guy, I don't even know who comes to mind, somebody with a similar contract that's only got one year left on that contract. Um, Honestly, I, I wouldn't mind just Gorgie Dang in a first. Yeah, that'd be nice. Because Gorgie's an insurance policy at the five where if by some sort of circumstance they do make a playoff push, Minnesota's, he's a guy that he's a guy that's there if JV goes down. Yeah, Minnesota's at this weird mediocre point where I don't even really know. Like, it's they, because, I, I don't know what they need to do to improve. They've got a decent starting point guard in T. Wiggins T's is playing. trash. His numbers. I've seen Minnes- his, his numbers have been fine. The thing with Teague though. is that he takes a lot of away from Towns and Wiggins, and yeah. that's really the thing about it. Yeah. So, um, But you still have a world beater in Towns. Wiggins is a borderline all-star. Covington is, um, if you looked up at elite 3 and D player in the dictionary, Robert Covington's face comes up. Um, but just their bench isn't good. Some of the recent draft pick, Culver's not good. Um, he could be at some point, but um, they just have too many young players at the end of their roster who are just not producing. So maybe someone like Iguodala makes sense for them. I don't know how much sense it makes for a team that's in the lottery to give up a first-round pick, though. Protected. Protection's always. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Santa, I hope you follow through, and I think it's... it's I will. T- You're not Santa. 
You call it Pisana. That's called Chester Claws, just for namesake. Oh, well. C and C, alliteration. Sometimes works, sometimes doesn't. It's not alliteration, they're not next to each other. I said Chester Claws. You said C and C. I said C and a C. Oh, well. Like C, C, yeah. Uh, I'll let you have it. All right, let's let's hear from Sean and Justin. Welcome to the 3 and D Podcast. Uh, Happy holiday season to y'all and early Merry Christmas. And uh, um, obviously, we'll be speaking to you again before the new year is up. But my name is Sean Coleman, and uh, my regular uh, co-host here tonight with me is Justin Lewis. Justin, how are you tonight? I'm good. I'm in the 901. I'm excited to be back. Going to be the game uh, that's going to go on Monday night against Spurs. So uh, I'm, I'm doing great. Glad to hear it, and hope you enjoy that game. I know that you've been traveling. I just got back from being out of town for the holiday season. Hope any of y'all that are listening, y'all are having safe travels as well. And to keep with the theme, um, we are um, on the back end, front end, but, but we're joining forces with uh, uh, Parker Fleming and Nathan Chester of the Core 4 podcast with the Christmas wish list version of both the 3ND and Core 4 podcast. Um, you can find me and Justin on Twitter, me at Stats SAC, Justin at J underscore Timberfake underscore, and our podcast cast at 3ND Pod. So we're going to jump right into it. Just as Parker and Nathan talked about, you know, getting a good return for Iguodala in a trade and the ability to convey this season, Justin and I both have our own wishes that we want to add to the list. And Justin, you know, with Santa listening, you know, if you had the chance to talk to him, what is the one wish you had going forward for the Grizzlies this season? That... Um... The, I guess the rotations would change that our, our alignments would make a little bit more sense. Uh, with Coach Jenkins, I understand that he's a he's a rookie uh, head coach and he's learning as he goes too. But uh, when when is your your maybe you argue your most productive player outside of Brandon Clark, um, it kind of discourages me that it took a jaw injury uh, for Melton onto the floor and then he's able to do this and tells me that he could have done this early on as well. Um, the fact that Solomon Hill is still getting heavy, heavy minutes uh, concerns me a little bit and he's closing out fourth quarters over Jaron or over Brandon Clark. And, and look, I, I'm with Parker. I, I love the hot hand approach to close the game. Um, but sometimes you still need to get your better players in there. And Brandon Clark has, has, is one of the most efficient players in the entire NBA. And there's, there's no reason, especially the other night, where he pulls him out after 50 seconds of play because he got two fouls. Guess how many fouls he finished the game with? Two. He would have been fine. He's not um, a foul prone like Jaron or Dylan may be. So he's smart enough to, to figure it out and stay out of trouble. But you just disrupt that flow with that. Um, I'd like to see these young guys get chances to run. Um, Grayson Allen uh, needs to get more time on the floor. De'Anthony Milton, as we already said, needs to get more time on the floor. Um, over guys like um, Jay Crowder and, and Solomon Hill, and, and maybe they're out there because they're they're showcasing them as as trade pieces. Um, they're trying to build up their trade value, um, but I don't. It doesn't make any sense to me. I think Kyle Anderson, who I was wrong on as far as a fit to this roster, needs more minutes as well, especially more minutes than Solomon Hill. He is the secondary playmaker on this team. Um, and there's no reason on any given night that Solomon Hill should, should log more minutes uh, than, than Kyle Anderson. So my wish would be that our young guys um, would get more opportunities uh, through um, Coach Jenkins' better use of his rotations. 
beyond the rotations when it comes to Coach Jenkins, Justin, do you still do you feel like you're continuing to see him adding value through his schemes? It seems like that despite there being a lot of movement and despite there being, you know, clear ability for our players to improv or, you know, decide what they want to do with the ball. Do you continue to see good value added by Jenkins with his sets and with the plays that are being ran? Oh, yeah. This is one of the better offenses that we've seen in Memphis. Uh, I think Jenkins does add value to this team. We we probably have won a couple of games because of his coaching. Um, and so I think going forward, as he continues to figure out the players and, and continues to figure out himself and uh, what it takes to win as a head coach in the NBA, he'll continue to add value. So, yeah, I think his his scheme it fits this roster. Um, we just we got to continue to put the right players in the right spots. And, and that is what is leading to my Christmas uh, wish. Uh, I uh, uh, My wish is for this team to continue improving on defense. And the thing about it is this, is that, you know, it, it, I talked to Joe Molinax, you know, I asked him, you know, before the season, do, do you feel like the, the um, Grizzlies could um, possibly be um, one of the better defensive teams in the league as the season goes along. And he said it's probably too early to expect that. And and I see what he means now. You know, I, I feel like the defensive potential on this team, it's not gone anywhere. It is certainly still there. But it is something that is that is continuing, you know, to to, you know, it's at a, it's at a slow pace. You know, you want to see that part of the game evolve just as quickly as the offense. And, and it's just it's not going to happen because defense relies on communication. It relies on knowing the tendencies of your fellow players. And it's more it's more involved of gelling as a unit and operating as a unit rather than you taking over as an individual like you can on offense. However, there are signs, you know, that the Grizzlies, you know, are getting a bit better um, in their, um, you know, overall defensive scheme. From August 20 or October 22nd through the end of November, uh, the Grizzlies were, you know, one of the worst defensive um, teams in the league. You know, they, they were in the, the the bottom five of defensive, or excuse me, the bottom third in defensive rating. Uh, they, they allowed the, uh, they were tied for um, allowing the most points off turnovers um, to their opponents, you know, things such as that. But since then, they've improved. They're now 19th in the league in the month of December in a defensive rating. Uh, they no longer are uh, in the bottom five in opponent opponents' points off turnovers. Uh, they still are near the top of the league in opponent in, um, uh, points allowed in the paint as well as blocks per game. Now, that, though, leads to the one weakness that still is there. The Grizzlies still are continuing to struggle. They are in the bottom um, – basically, they're – in the bottom five or near the bottom five in three-point percentage allowed. The thing about the Grizzlies that I really, really want to improve is their perimeter defense. The problem with that is, is that your skilled players, your John Morants, your Tyus Joneses, that's not their strength. It's going to be hard for them to be able to, to really just add to that, you know, part of their game significantly. It's just not going to happen on an immediate basis. However, again, that communication could play a big role. One thing that Memphis has shown the ability to do is to create turnovers, and especially with the efficiency starting to get better between Morant and Jones, getting those turnovers, as we get better at efficiency, we can start to create more of an advantage through turnovers, forcing more while committing less. So the Grizzlies as a unit are, are definitely a work in progress. They're still, you know, towards the bottom half of the league. 
but they're improving. But I think really what I would love to see is that turnover margin continue to get better. Again, us us committing less and forcing more and also allowing for Clark and um, Jaron Jackson to play more together to allow for them to create blocks and fast breaks. I really think that if that can become a sustainable portion of our game, we could really see a lot of success. Justin, obviously, last week we talked a little bit about, um, you know, what a great week it was. This week, a little bit of a return to earth, but still some successful play. But really wanted to ask you, um, you recently wrote an article about that the Grizzlies, you know, uh, their perceived strength coming into the season was their front court talent wise. But we're seeing that a lot of their wins, a lot of the determining factors as to whether or not they're going to win comes from the backcourt. And we saw that last night. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit? So my this this actually stems from a conversation that, that you and I had as far as Dylan Brooks being better off as a secondary scorer. So I wanted to go look and see on the, on the games where they kept talking about they're undefeated when he scored 20 points. Was, was he the leading scorer in those games and kind of where he fell and all that? So what I came up with is that when Dylan leads the team in scoring, he's averaged 25 points in those games and, he's four, and he's, they're four and up. The team is four and five when John Morant leads in scoring, and then they're, I think, two and eight when Jan leads, and uh, one and four when um, Jonas leads. And I think now they're 0 and 1 when Brandon Clark leads. So it's, it's, I thought early on that it, like you, like we said, the front court was going to be what we needed to do. We needed to get Jonas going early. We need to get Jaron as a focal point of the offense. And then, you know, Dylan is going to kind of be a secondary kind of piece. What is happening for some reason, I don't know what it is, when our backcourt leads the scoring, we win games. Um, we have 11, 11 wins on the season, eight of them are that come from our backcourt leading in scoring, our starting backcourt. Um, I, I really don't have an answer, and other than the fact that we're playing at a higher pace, getting our guards out in the open, we're, um, we're able to create more three-point shots. Dylan um, has some type of Kobe Bryant mentality that he's just going to shoot when the ball touches his hand, no matter what happens. Um, and that his efficiency is not great, but he, he gets buckets. Um so our if our backcourt, I guess his last game against the Kings was a night where it wasn't so much true. Jaw didn't score a bunch. He he affected the game, but he wasn't crazy in scoring. And, and Dylan didn't get above twenty. Our our top two scores, I believe, were Jaron and Jay. Um, so they stepped up to show that we don't necessarily need them to win, but for whatever reason, we're more successful as a team when those two are leading us in scoring. I think it has to do with the system that um, Jenkins has in place. Well, and I mean, when you look at it as well, I mean, it, it really does make sense. Look at Jaron. I know that he's a front court scorer, but when he's near the, when he's in probably one of our top two, top one or two scores, I think that makes competitive as well. And it's his perimeter game. It just, it makes natural sense. I, I wrote in a few places a piece that I'm working on over at Grizzly Bear Blues. When the, the a magic number for the Grizzlies this year is 115 points, the Grizzlies have scored 115 points 11 or more times this year. That actually, that's 11 times in 30 games. The franchise record for scoring 115 or more points in a season is 16 times. 
We could eclipse that. We could get to 20 by the all-star break. But the point that I'm getting at is, is that the Grizzlies are eight and three when they score 115 points. I would venture to guess you said that when I believe that when um, the Grizzlies were eight and three, I believe when uh, jaw or some statistic you just mentioned, the Grizzlies were eight and three. Eight, I they're think eight and five. They're eight Go ahead. Five either jaw or either they're, Either John or Dylan lead in scoring. They're eight and five. And they're six and six when John Morant gets 20 or more points. The overall idea, though, is, is just like we saw last week. If the Grizzlies can get 40 to 45 or more points from their backcourt, it really elevates the offense and it com- it makes it balance. We can shoot from the outside. It allows for the inside to be open for good opportunities as well. So I think that's what it comes to. I think that the reason why you see success, the reason why as our backcourt scores more, we have a better chance to win is due to the fact that it brings better balance to the offense. Um, and so I, I do agree. I really do think um, that as Jaw and, and and Dylan continue to mesh and, and gel together, um, they, they could do really well. But on that same end, it's not just our starters. It's it's Grayson, it's um, DeAnthony, and it's um, um, uh, Tyus Jones. You know, Tyus Jones, 41 assists to two turnovers over his past eight games, showing his historic efficiency rate. Last night, Grayson, Melton, and Jones all combining for 36 points, including 6 of 11 from threes. Melton and Allen are really coming to their own. Do you feel, Justin, that we have a backcourt unit for our future that we can develop, it just seems like the one thing that we need to add is a is a prominent score. A, a, well, I'll take that back. Not necessarily a prominent score, but a prominent talent to play beside um, Jaw to start the game. We've got depth for days, it seems, for our future in the backcourt. Yeah, uh, with, if you can if you can get you a guy to go beside Jaw in the starting five and let Dylan come off the bench and receive the majority of the touches off the bench. Um, and you're and you've got Grayson to go with him or Anthony Melton to go with him, uh, on top of Brandon Clark being out there too, and Kyle Anderson. The depth is there. Um, I think that piece that you need is you need a, a guy that can can slide into the starting two spot and and let Dylan come in and just throw up shots for the same unit. So he's not taking away touches from from Jaron and John, who are the people who are your two leading scorers of the team and your two best basketball players. Um, so I, I would definitely agree with, with that. Then at the end of the day, what it comes down to is is that no one is sitting here saying that this team will eventually, as it is currently constructed, will eventually lead to championship material. But part of the equation when it comes to a championship team or to a contender truly is having a bench that can be supportive and efficient. The Grizzlies have that. If if Tyus Jones can continue to operate like he has over the past few weeks, he is definitely showing his worth for his contract. So it, all in all, that is one thing that you know is good to see develop. It's not just the development of the young core. It's the development of the supporting cast. And if the Grizzlies can sit here and continue, continue to see their backcourt develop, it truly could be one of the deepest backcourts in the NBA. Justin, before we head out, do you have anything else to say as we as we head into the uh, uh, the Christmas uh, week? Uh, I hope everybody uh, travels and uh, have a Merry Christmas and uh, go Grizz. 
Well, Justin, I will tell you this. I, I can't remember when our first episode was, but it's been it was earlier this year. But I will say as we're as we're winding up, you know, the shows for the year, it's truly been a pleasure. I look forward to, to hopefully years more of this uh, going into the future. But I do want to wish you and, and the new wife and your family a very Merry Christmas. And uh, I hope you get the Grizzlies jersey that you've been wanting. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, for Justin Lewis, uh, my name is Sean Coleman. Thanks so much for joining us here on the 3 and D podcast. Again, you can definitely check us out with the Core 4 and Grizzly Bear Blues, Blues Live podcast on the Grizzly Bear Blues podcast network. For Justin Lewis, my name is Sean Coleman. Thanks so much for joining us here on the 3 and D podcast. Merry Christmas.